Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Slow Burn Media, an evergreen podcast, presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Without Jose, now to some new developments from the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation about seven bodies found inside that home near Henrietta. It's about 90 miles west of Fort Smith, and tonight investigators say it's being considered a murder-suicide. These are photos of some of the six victims. They ranged in age from 13 to 35. It's believed that 39-year-old Jesse McFadden shot and killed them before turning the gun on himself. Authorities haven't released his motive, but grieving relatives have spoken publicly about McFadden's domineering nature, adding that they only recently learned of his criminal history as a convicted sex offender. McFadden was also slated to stand trial on new charges just this week. It's led to a lot of questions about why he wasn't being held without bond. We'll learn more and hear more about the situation from prosecutors in Oklahoma coming up tonight on your 5 News at 10. We'll also continue to follow updates about this case. We'll have any new information from the OSBI about what happened on our free 5 News smartphone app. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed? I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media, Evergreen Podcasts, and Killer Podcast production. This week we are going to focus on an ongoing case, as well as a couple other cases that have occurred during this crazy week and this crazy world that we are currently living in at the moment. Uh, it seems like tragedy after tragedy uh, is on the news, one thing after another. Having worked in the news, I know if it bleeds, it leads. But in the sense of what is going on in this country and going on around the world, we have seen a multitude of mass shootings and lots of violence. Even uh, you know, in Belgrade, uh, there was a school shooting, a 13-year-old. Uh, here we have in Colorado... We can go ahead and talk about the latest about Alexa Bartel, who was, again, that woman that we talked about last week who was killed by three 18-year-old boys, and I guess you can call them men now that they're 18. They have now been charged with first-degree murder as well as attempt to commit murder and assault. Now, those are 13 charges. For each individual. So that is something that is pretty wild. They are facing first degree murder with indifference. The latest information that we have is that they actually drove back to the scene and took a photo as a quote unquote memento. And that is according to the arrest affidavit. Now, the sheriff's deputies involved. They interviewed one of the friends, and they offered a possible explanation for the alleged rock-throwing, telling investigators that Koenig often participated in destructive behavior because he, quote, likes causing chaos, according to the affidavit. 
So needless to say, the lives of all the people that knew Alexa and the people who knew these three individuals are pretty much uh, going to be really screwed for the next number of decades. And if they get first-degree murder convictions, I'm sure they're going to plead down. But this is one of those cases where they may not let them because it's just so heinous. So let's see what the courts do and what happens from here on out. I will continue to update if there is anything worthwhile. But again, this just happened this week as far as the arraignment went. And again, those three individuals are currently in custody and they are going to be in prison for a very long time. So that is good news. So one tragedy after another, and this is from BBC News. And if you guys were aware, there was a shooting in Texas last Friday night where a man was suspected of killing five of his neighbors and during a dispute over shooting a gun at 11.30 p.m. on a Friday night. So this is one of those cases that is absolutely ridiculous. We have somebody where they are clearly shooting past the appropriate time. This is Texas, I understand, but the family next door asked him nicely to not shoot anymore, and he decided that he was going to take things into his own hands, and this one Francisco Oropesa um, went on and attacked this family, and they killed uh, a nine-year-old and a... 28-year-old Sonia Guzman, Diana Velasquez, 21, Abdulia Molina, 31, Jonathan Caceres, 18, and Daniel Enrique Lazo. So he was the 9-year-old. So this arrest is actually great because he was found in the closet of one of his, I guess, uh, friends or associates or lovers because they arrested five people when they uh, actually brought this individual in. There was a five-day manhunt, and a reward of $80,000 had been offered. So this was uh, a good outcome because on Tuesday, the FBI had said that there was no idea where they were. You know, they, they didn't have any leads as far as an actual location. So luckily, I talk about this all the time, to call in a tip, and it was a member of the public who contacted the FBI's tip line on Tuesday evening, and that's basically when the suspect was captured. And he was caught near a town called Cut and Shoot. Now, police did not say who owned the home when he was arrested, but the New York Times reported that the property record shows that it belongs to a relative. Quote, they can rest easy now because he is behind bars, according to Sheriff Greg Capers. He will live out his life behind bars for killing those five. Now, the suspect was taken into custody by members of the Border Patrol Tactical Unit, or BORTAC, a specialized unit, said Sheriff Capers of San Jacinto County. So he will be charged with five counts of murder. The alleged attacker was deported four times between 2009 and 2016, and that is according to U.S. immigration officials. So, 
you know, we have a lot of things going on here. We have clearly somebody in the country that's in here illegally. Uh, we have an AR-15 style rifle, which is, again, how they describe these things nowadays instead of just saying AR-15. Uh, you know, I don't know. Do you think there's a big difference? I think they're all ARs, but whatever. And on Wednesday, police said that they did detain um, Mr. Or Press's wife and that she was uh, detained in connection with the shooting on Friday. And I believe that she was probably charged with a felony of hindering the apprehension or prosecution of a known criminal. So... Uh, quote, we did confirm that he was, or did confirm that was him on foot running, but we lost track of him. That was not a false alarm. That was him, Sheriff's Deputy Tim Keene said. Now, a makeshift memorial with floral tributes and soft toys have been placed outside the home where the shooting took place. And this is according to CNN. Now, the Texas massacre suspect's longtime partner, again, was arrested after the gunman was captured in a closet. The longtime partner of the man fatally suspected or suspected of fatally shooting all these people uh, basically was just aiding and abetting. And so uh, the 38-year-old Mexican national is being held on a $5 million bond. Again, this could be a death penalty case. And there are apparently up to five people in custody in regards to this investigation. So he clearly had help along the way. So uh, there's also a male friend that is being investigated in connection with the manhunt. And the man apparently was arrested on a drug possession charge and authorities were investigating whether he actually did help Oropesa while he was on the run. So again, this is one of those cases where... uh, we have guns. We have uh, people doing things that they shouldn't be doing. You shouldn't be shooting a gun at 11.30 at night. Whether or not you're a gun person or not, that's just a time and a place. That's not the time or the place. And we've, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we're kind of going through this phase where like, We've seen it year after year after year, and it seems like each year they get worse and worse and worse as far as, like, these mass shootings go. And, of course, you know, what's the question or what, how do you answer it? And, of course, you know, you have gun owners, you have gun rights act advocates, you have all sorts of different parties that are involved in this situation. So there is no real right answer, and I am certainly not going to be the one that can say whether or not this is uh, something related to the access to guns. Now, the fact that he was in, in the country Ill- illegally and then was able to still get the gun, I, you know, again, not going to go down that road, but it is sad that we do live in a country where you really have to be conscientious of even the slightest bit of uh, politeness. They asked him to stop shooting a gun at night so their baby could sleep. Instead, he shot them and killed them. I don't really think that is how the founding fathers thought when they made the Second Amendment. So, uh, whatever, but not very cool. And 
basically the way that the authorities tracked down the suspect was again through a public tip and if that wasn't the case then we'd be sitting here still looking for this guy i assumed he had gone to mexico so the fact that he was in a town named cut and shoot um let's be honest why in the world is there a town called cut and shoot i digress anyway it's just one of those things where you have these victims who were literally just doing their normal Friday night thing, trying to get their baby to go to bed. Most people are in bed at 1130 at night. So the fact that this guy was out shooting a gun just doesn't make any sense on any level. So to be 100% honest with all of you, it is really odd that this person would basically flip out and kill these people just because he was told not to do something. And if that's the way that we are going to go about this world, we are in for a world of hurt. So let's just all take a second and pull back and keep the guns locked up. Ask questions before you shoot. Let's not talk about the case where you have all these idiots shooting people when they randomly go into the wrong home or they go into the wrong car. I mean, we're not talking about uh, some vicious criminals. We're talking about teenage kids and complete innocent mistakes. And you get people who are literally firing through their door. It's insanity. So everybody just relax. Take a step back. Don't remember and don't listen to the first five minutes of the news. It's always going to be the worst thing you're going to get out of any news segment. It's going to be the hardest hitting stuff. There's a movie called Network. They called it the Death Hour. <laughs> it won a ton of Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Picture. I think it may have even won. But it's from the 70s. And it's all about how the media covers murder and mayhem. And it is exactly where we live today. So if you're interested in seeing how we became what we've become as a media society, I'd check out Network. It's really, really, really good. And with that being said, let's move on to the other crazy, disgusting, tragic, horrific story out of Oklahoma. And this is the seven people that were found dead on an, an Oklahoma property as they were searching for missing teens. So authorities found the bodies of seven people Monday on a rural property in Oklahoma during a search for two missing teens and an adult man, according to officials. The property is just east of Henrietta, roughly 50 miles south of Tulsa. A spokesperson for the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation had said, one of the bodies appeared to be that of Jesse McFadden of, pardon my pronunciation, but um, Okmulgee County. Sheriff Eddie Rice told reporters at the scene. Rice said the medical examiner's office would confirm the identity of McFadden and the others. The Oklahoma Highway Patrol had circulated a missing person advisory listing McFadden and two teenage girls earlier on Monday. The advisory says that Ivy Webster, 14, and Brittany Brewer, 16, were last seen at 1.22 a.m. Monday at an address in Henrietta. 
They may have been traveling with McFadden in his white Chevy Avalanche. And now the advisory was canceled Monday afternoon. So a bench warrant had been issued Monday for McFadden in nearby Muskogee County when he failed to appear in court on charges of child pornography and soliciting sexual conduct, communication with a minor, all wonderful offenses. Court records show a jury trial in the case was scheduled for Monday. Now, a lawyer for McFadden did not immediately respond to this news request. So McFadden had served nearly 17 years in prison after he was convicted of first-degree rape in 2003, and that is according to state records. Rice said he believed authorities had found all those who had been reported missing. He declined to say how many of the victims were juveniles at that time, but we have since learned that it was five. So uh, it is one of those things where you have a town where the, of 6,000 people and seven of them are murdered. So the local school district said in a statement that it was, quote, grieving over the tragedy of the loss of several of our students. Quote, our hearts are hurting, and we have considered what would be best for our students in the coming days. Henrietta Public School said, adding that classes would continue and that grief counselors would be available. Members of a task force from the local prosecutor's office had visited the property, a large rural wooded area, twice on Monday after they learned that the missing teens may have been associated with someone there. And that was according to Gerald Davidson, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation spokesperson. So the bodies were apparently found during a second visit at 3 p.m. local time. So the sex offender, again, Jesse McFadden, he apparently was married to or dating one of the women that were found murdered. So what we have here is a very tragic story, one of absolute terror, because clearly this individual put these children through hell, and it is one of those things where you look at... um, what he was facing, you know, he was set to stand trial on those charges of solicitation on Monday, but instead he fled with these teenagers and that was in the early morning of Monday. So it really is scary to think that, um, that these individuals can still get out and then perpetrate more crimes. I mean, he did 17 years in prison. So, Most people would say, well, he served his time, but again, did you learn anything during that time? Don't know the answer to that question. So according to Ivy Webster's mother, Ashley, she told CNN that they lived on the same block as McFadden and that their families had been friends since December 2020. She said she didn't know about McFadden's criminal history. Quote, all the kids spent time together. We never had any issues with the family. His wife seemed nice and would even drop off anything she baked, according to Ashley Webster. She said she received a Snapchat message from Ivy around midnight on Saturday and then another Snapchat message around 10 a.m. on Sunday. Webster also said she received a call from McFadden later in the day saying they were in a nearby town. Quote, Jesse had called me around 5 p.m. on Sunday and told me they were in McAllister, but said he couldn't talk because he had a bad signal. It was hard to hear him. The call kept breaking up. 
Lepster said her husband began to worry when the hours passed and Ivy still didn't return home, even though she had school the next day. So, you know, again, as I mentioned, Ivy went to Henrietta Middle School, played softball, and was actually set to start high school this fall. Quote, I know it's common to say that your loved one lights up a room, but she really did, Ashley Webster said. Quote, we went to school or to her school today to clean out her locker, and we found notes her classmates left. They wrote about how she was a friend to everyone. It makes me feel I wasn't the public or I wasn't the only one who saw those things in her. And again, the fact that they were still holding classes is pretty awful for those students. But I guess if you're better, it's better to be with one than I don't know. It's crazy. And uh, I don't know. I mean, again, let's just go back to the fact that this guy was married to a woman who had teenage daughters. I don't know exactly what her knowledge was of his background, but it would be hard to think that she wouldn't know at least a little bit about this past that he had had going on now fox 23 they got in contact with the victim in the soliciting case and they told that jesse was texting her sunday night in the alleged messages jesse says quote i did exactly what i promised i would do when i got out i got a marketing job making great money and was being advanced been there two years now and made a great life like i promised i would do with you now it's all gone. And he continued, I told you I wouldn't go back. This is all on you for continuing this. He finished. Okay, so here we go. We have a guy literally blaming the victim of his pedophilia the night before he goes and commits these horrific crimes. So I guess it's a good thing that he took his own life in the process because there's not a jury in this world that wouldn't have convicted this guy and put him on the death penalty, you know, at least on death row. Because this is Oklahoma that we're talking about. And they like to kill people. So, again, that alert, that was a Monday morning thing. And at 4 p.m. that was canceled. So, the woman actually that he sexually assaulted 17 plus years ago... Um, did, she was actually interviewed by The Sun, the U.S. version of The Sun, which is kind of a rag. So we're going to just say that it, whatever. She had some very interesting things to say. Uh, let's just scroll through here and see what she had to say about it. Um, you know, she said he was a predator uh, and, uh, quote, I started digging on Facebook and spoke to Ashley uh, Ivy's mom. I felt sick. I then heard people were dead. I had to pull over to throw up. I couldn't even drive, according to uh, the survivor. Quote, I was going to Walmart at that point getting groceries. I saw someone had posted on Facebook. It was like, quote, we don't need to be saying stuff that's not true. Then I found out it was. I was so sick and sobbed for about 25 minutes. She recalled her own ordeal with McFadden saying she had had hung out with him in the early 2000s and she was dating a friend of hers he was dating a friend of hers quote he would make fun of me he was just gross she recalled he was just a weird personality not somebody i would date never i was at a keg party in McAllister, 
and I was seeing a guy and got a little tipsy. He drove me home and I left my truck in McAllister. He stayed with me for a little bit and then ended up going home. About three o'clock in the morning, I heard a beating on the door. I was like, who the hell is this? They kept knocking and knocking. I was at my dad's. He was away. I had shorts and a tank top on and I opened the door. I was like, Jesse, what are you doing here? He told her his girlfriend had kicked him out and demanded to be invited in. And when Crystal told him to go home, he forced his way inside the property. And this is when the attack happened. He apparently shoved a sock in her mouth. And the next thing you knew, she knew she was being dragged through the living room. And eventually he was on top of her, pulled out a knife, stuck it to her throat. And then, um, yeah, we're not going to go too far into that. So she said that she tried to placate him and promised that if he untied her, she would help cover up for him. He demanded she'd take a shower and destroy her clothing, which the shaken teen agreed to do as he paced up and down in her home. Quote, he asked me to go and wash the clothes and get rid of them, she stated. There were two doors on the trailer at the time, I said. I got you. And while he was pacing about, I bolted. It ran a quarter mile naked to the neighbor's house. After she sobbed to the neighbor, the police were called. And she said that they found him by a local river bleeding out after slitting his wrists. Quote, that's why I had a gut feeling today he would have taken his own life, she told the U.S. son, as she looked across the property after the victim's bodies had been removed from the home. So, again, I mentioned that McFadden was sentenced to 20 years behind bars for that crime. He did serve 17 of them. He was a registered sex offender, and again, he was facing per child pornography charges for the uh, communication with that minor. And again, there's just a lot of things in this guy's background that are straight up disgusting. So, uh, let's just uh, look at some of the um, the facts here and... The situation here is is really, really just awful. Um, you know, the victims basically, I'm going to run down what the list is, and they go by, you know, 14-year-old Ivy Webster, 16-year-old Brittany Brewer, 59-year-old Jeanette Mayo, uh, Holly Guest, 35, her grandchildren, Riley Elizabeth Allen, 17, Michael James Mayo, 15, and Tiffany Dory Guess, 13. So, what a dirtball. And, I don't know. I'm really at a loss for all this stuff because it's like you start to do any bit of investigating into what this guy had done. And he was clearly a danger to society, but he was still released from prison because he served a sentence. It makes you wonder about the rehabilitation of people. Is it possible? I mean, I'm not entirely sure that it is, especially when you have pedophilia involved, because as we've learned, it's very hard for these you know, sex offenders and these people that are into child pornography to change their ways. I mean, they've made lots of studies and done lots of studies on whether or not this can be something that is corrected. And I believe that they've all come back and said that it cannot. So I know that there's some things going on in Florida where they're trying to get the death penalty for these cases. Well, I think the Supreme Court ruled against that at one point, so I don't know how that's going to go. 
but I will say it is pretty awful that <laughs> these things happen. And again, these guns, super easy to do. Um, I don't know exactly what kind of gun he used to kill them, to be honest. So it is, I don't think it's actually been released yet. But uh, again, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm not here to solve any of the issues with gun violence. I'm just here to acknowledge some of the craziness that's been going on in this country over the past few weeks. I mean, it's been years too. I shouldn't say weeks. It's been years. And I know that we just had the anniversary of Columbine a few weeks back. And to think that that's like the first of so many school shootings that have occurred and those two are, you know, held up on a pedestal by a bunch of sick individuals. Uh, I don't know if we've really grown too much as a country. I think with the safety resource officers in school, they don't really seem to do much. Uh, it didn't stop Parkland. Uh, I don't believe that arming teachers is a solution by any stretch. Having family members that work in schools they have vehemently vehemently opposed that idea I mean there's no reason that a teacher should also be in charge of shooting and killing somebody who's decided to attack your school so like I said before it's not a gun thing it's just a takes 10 seconds and think about it before you pull the trigger because you you don't ever take out a gun unless you're going to use it. Better just to leave the gun in the case and just try to talk it out. Don't go to that next level because this is what happens when we do that. And what we have here is we have in the last week... Uh, just in this story alone, there's 12 people that have been killed by a gun. In that's two stories. Two stories. We all understand that this is a big, big problem. So, again, I just want to voice my concern about the shoot first, ask questions later. Flip that around, please. Ask questions if you can't resolve your issues, you still shouldn't shoot anybody. But try some diplomacy first. It does actually work. And you won't ruin the lives of every single person that person knows and you know. And you'll save this country and the taxpayers a lot of money from prosecuting you and keeping you locked up in jail. So for all those individuals who I spoke about today, the three individuals that are going to spend the rest of their lives in prison and they're only 18 and then you have it's the other guy he's going to get deported but he's probably going to face the death penalty in Texas so he probably won't get deported I don't know I'm done talking about all this crap this week I am kind of at that point where gun violence has just become so embedded in our society that it almost becomes foolish to talk about. So I didn't want to say anything that would 
cause any upheaval about any gun rights or anything like that. I'm just calling for calm, and uh, with the uh, coronation this weekend, it's, uh, it's a good time to pull out the old phrase from England, keep calm and carry on. And with that being said, that's really all I have left this week. So, thank you so much for listening, and join me next week. As you know, I drop new episodes every Friday. I am still trying to get Nick on. He's got a book coming up that is going to be released very shortly. Uh, I hope that he will be able to come on and promote that. Again, that's Nick from True Crime Garage, as well as uh, some other things that I've been uh, working on. So, we shall see where that goes. But again, thank you so much for listening. If you guys want to do support the show, you can do so via Venmo. My username's at WhoKilled, and you can also leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So, again, check out all my back catalog. I have 16 to 30 episodes on Amy Mihaljevic, and if that's a case that has caught your eye, then you should definitely check it out. So, again... Thank you so much for listening. As always, stay healthy and be safe. One more thing before you guys leave. I am going to play the press conference from the Oklahoma case where they lay out what happened. And it's about 23 minutes long. It is the sheriff and it is worth a listen. So check it out. Here you go. Good afternoon. My name is Joe Prentice, and the spelling is J-O-E-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E. I am police chief for the city of Oatmulgee, and I also command the District 25 Violent Crime Task Force. With me is Carol Iske, our district attorney, who sponsors the Violent Crime Task Force, and Sheriff Eddie Rice, who um, was one of the reporting agencies when this investigation started. I've got a brief statement. Uh, that I'll read and then I'll open it for questions and answer questions the questions that I can As you know, Ivy Webster was reported missing to the Oklahoma County Sheriff's Office and Brittany Brewer was reported missing to the Henrietta Police Department on Monday morning I received a request shortly after To uh, activate the violent crime task force The task force began the investigation and as part of that obtained a search warrant for the property on Holly Road because of the extremely large size of the property, we requested assistance from the OSBI. During the search, the bodies of seven individuals were recovered. All were sent to the medical examiner for autopsies, and those examinations have been completed. Scientific identification has been obtained on all seven of the individuals, and I have information regarding their injuries. That being said, it is important to remember that all of this information is extremely preliminary and no official reports from the medical examiner's office have been issued. The injuries include Ivy Webster suffered one gunshot wound to the head. Brittany Brewer suffered one gunshot wound to the head. Riley Allen suffered one gunshot wound to the head. Tiffany Guess suffered two gunshot wounds to the head. Michael Mayo suffered two gunshot wounds to the head. Holly McFadden suffered three gunshot wounds to the head. 
and Jesse McFadden appears to have shot himself in the head. I'm assisting the Violent Crime Task Force with the search, the crime scene, and the investigation were the following agencies, the Okmulgee County Sheriff's Office, the Henrietta Police Department, Henrietta Fire Department, OSBI, ATF, and the Muscogee Nation AG's Office. Uh, that concludes my statement. I will answer any questions that I can. Chief, when do you believe that these killings happened? I don't know. Um, based on the investigation, we believe that the girls were spotted in Henrietta on Saturday night. Beyond that, I can't tell you. Were the victims found in one spot? No. Where else were they found? Ivy, Brittany, and Riley were found separately approximately 150 to 150 yards apart from each other and approximately a quarter of a mile southeast of the McFadden residence. Do you think they ran away? I don't have any evidence to indicate that, but I, there's no way to know. And the other two victims? Well, there's more than just two more. Um, the other four decedents were found together approximately 450, 500 yards east and a little bit south of where the three girls were found, and they were all together. Was anyone able to call 911? As far as I know, there was no 911 call made. And do we believe that all these killings happened around the same time? I don't have any evidence to indicate otherwise. Chief, what led you guys to getting that search warrant? Because Emmy's office was there immediately with you guys when you guys were doing that. Was there, you guys got the property that morning because he was the person you were looking for and stumbled across something and then backed out like normal? Something very similar. That that morning, um, deputies and task force members went out to the property in an effort to see if there was anyone there. Um, while at the property, they got no response at the door, and they observed what they believed was a freshly disturbed area of dirt um, in the yard or the curtilage area around the residence. They came back and reported that, and we got a search warrant for the residence and the property. Well, have you traced back this gun? I'm sorry, one at a time. Very similar questions. Have you traced back this gun, and how did McFadden get the gun, and what kind of firearm was we, it? We did conduct an E-trace on the firearm. It was a 9-millimeter handgun, and it was purchased in January of 2022 by Holly McFadden. When you were talking about disturbed That's what the concern was when it was observed. We have since discovered that the property owner, who is not the McFadden's, the McFadden's were renting. The property owner had cleaned out a horse pen and had dumped that, that uh, debris there. So they didn't, see, they didn't see a body and then back out? No, no. There weren't graves covering? No, no. Did McFadden leave a note? I'm sorry? Did McFadden leave a note? No note was found. Do we believe that he executed them? I don't, I don't know that I would use the term executed. I believe that McFadden shot all of the other decedents. So the victims had any defensive wounds or anything? I didn't observe any. Um, I haven't had any reported to me from the medical examiner's office, but I would caution you and, and remind you that this information is extremely preliminary. Any other trauma to the body? One, one at a time. Overall, what do you make of this situation? Family members tell us they believe this person planned this. I guess you've never dealt with anything like this before. Um, 
several questions there. I follow the evidence, all right, and the evidence is that Jesse McFadden murdered six people and then killed himself. Beyond that, I don't know what his thought process was. Whether he planned this and if he did, how long, I don't have any evidence to base a, an opinion one way or the other on that. Was anyone tied up? No. Was there any other apparent trauma to the bodies other than these gunshot wounds? None that I observed, but again, I, it's really early and I, and I haven't gotten anything from the medical examiner's she, office. Uh, there was a text message sent to Ivy's parents Sunday night uh, that was on, they said. Do we believe that was sent by Jesse? I'm not sure I know what text message you're talking about, so I, I can't comment intelligently. Were there any signs of a fight? I, I didn't observe any, no. What's your theory of motive? I don't think I want to speculate. Um, I, I'm not going to express a theory because, again, I follow the evidence and I don't have an ev any evidence to indicate what the actual motive was. And I'm going to be honest with you folks. Normal people that understand care, love, compassion wouldn't understand if I could come up with it anyway. Chief, what kind of impact does this have on law enforcement? I mean, this is now two weirdly similar cases that you had to, to deal with in just the last six months. Law, law enforcement is pretty resilient, and um, we know what we signed up for, and we play the hand that's dealt us. So when we get a call, we go. And um, with regard to how anyone is responding to it since the event, I don't have any indication that anybody's having any difficulties. We are um, conducting the follow-up investigation, which is doing some cleanup interviews and documenting everything that we discovered. Uh, just like we do in any other case. Have you heard from other parents, other teenagers? We heard possibly that more teenagers were invited. To, I, I don't have any information along those lines. That's, we, that's first I've heard of it. Do we think he planned this? I don't know. Do we know if they were doing anything when the killings happened, like an activity of some sort outside? Wasn't anything obvious. Do you think he acted alone? Don't have any evidence to indicate that there was anybody else involved. Other than McFadden's rape conviction and his pending trial with foreign charges, did he have any more recent run-ins with law enforcement that would act as warning signs? Not that I'm aware of. The absent his prison, his lengthy prison sentence, and his Muskogee County case. How well did you know this person? Are we talking about Jesse McFadden? I personally did not know him. My understanding is he was a registered sex offender and was up to date on his registration. So you guys had no prior calls to this house before this incident? Um, my agency would not have had any. The task force doesn't, as a matter of business, take calls for service. I would defer to the sheriff with that, and I would say that I am unaware of any others. Chief, you said all the victims suffered gunshot wounds to the head. Did they come from the back or the front? Some were to the side of the head, some were in the back of the head. There were injuries in the front of the head. So I would defer to the medical examiner for a firm answer on that. I, the short answer is I don't know for sure. I know you're unsure of when exactly it happened. Is there any reason to believe that he did this and then waited a while and then killed himself later on? Again, I follow the evidence. I don't have any evidence to indicate that. Uh, anything is possible. Do you have any time? 
My understanding is the girls were friends with Tiffany, who lived at the residence and were allowed to go and spend the night with her on Saturday and were supposed to come home Sunday, and when they didn't, they were reported missing. Beyond that, I don't have any information. What were the ages of all the victims? Bear with me. I knew there was a document I needed to bring with me. Um, Tiffany was 13. Michael was 15, Riley was 17, Ivy was 14, Brittany was 16, um, Holly was 35, and Jesse McFadden was 39. Just to confirm, the three, uh, Riley, uh, Tiffany, and Michael, were all Holly's kids, not Jesse's. That is my understanding, yes. So these were his stepkids? Yes. Did he make any recordings on his phone of his or try to post anything to social media that you can determine? We recovered one phone from the residence that we believe is Holly's. We recovered pieces of a phone from a wooded area um, quite a ways from the residence. We do not know who it belonged to. If that's not his phone, we, we haven't located his phone. Any other significant pieces of evidence other than those phones, the guns, and of course the bodies? We took some other evidence, but nothing I'm willing to comment on. Not that I'm aware of. With the four family members being found together, did they appear to be sleeping? Without going into a lot of detail, that scene appeared to be staged to me. And that is my opinion based on what I observed. Staged as in the bodies? I, I don't want to go into details. I think the bodies had been moved from where they were originally killed. Were they all found outside? Yes. But they weren't killed at the same time, and some were killed at one occasion, and then just given the distance you're talking about, and then traveled somewhere else. Well, I, again, I, there's no way we can know with certainty, but logic tells me that um, some were killed in an area 400 to 450 yards away from others. So, yeah, there would have been some um, space of time there. Yes, sir? Yes, um, are you certain? I am certain of what I've been told. I have not checked it myself. Are you certain of Brittany Brewer's age? I was told by her father that she was 15. No, I am not certain. That, that, that information was provided to me early on. I made a note of it, and I am not 100% certain of that. I spoke with a former victim of his who was set to testify against him and the trial he was supposed to be on in on Monday, and he sent her text messages or Facebook messages the night previous. Have you spoken with her? Do you know anything about those messages? We have. We've received copies of those text messages. Um, he did make contact with her, and I don't think it was a text message. I think it was a Facebook messenger message. Um and tried to lay blame for his situation on her. So do you believe that the killings happened prior or after? I don't have any way to know that. You're the district attorney, correct? And this person was supposed to have a jury trial Monday? That was in Muskogee County, correct. Is that your, is that your no. jurisdiction? No, I'm a bogey in McIntosh. Those text messages were blaming the victim for what he had done to 
No, no. My interpretation of the text, the Facebook Messenger messages that I read was he was blaming her for his situation with the criminal case in Muskogee County. Why is um, well, first of all, the scene was outside of the city limits of either Henrietta or Okmulgee and would fall under the jurisdiction of the sheriff's office. Um, Okmulgee Police is involved because we are part of, and I in fact command, the District 25 Violent Crime Task Force, which conducts violent crime investigations in both Okmulgee and McIntosh County. Again, with the timeline, I'm sorry, I know you don't have a lot of details, but can you give us an idea of how far apart these killings could be or if they all happened at once? I, I don't have any way to base any speculation on to give you a realistic timeline other than the distance between where the bodies were discovered. Um, it, it could have happened in quick succession or there could have been a significant amount of time between. There's just absolutely no way for us to know. I know you mentioned it already, um, but I'm just trying to get clarification. Can you explain again where the bodies were found and how close they were? It kind of sounds like maybe three were found close together and then the other four were found like two different groups. That, yes, that's correct. From the McFadden residence, which is probably 100 yards off the road, approximately a quarter mile south and east of the residence, there is a creek. And the creek is is within a tree line, but just barely. Ivy was found on the west side of that creek, approximately 100 to 150 yards away. Um, Brittany was found, approximately another 100 to 150 yards away. Riley was found, and they were both on the east side of the creek. Then the other four decedents were all found together approximately another quarter mile more east than south, but southeast of where the three girls were found in a heavily wooded area. So they were found further away? Yes, yes. Chief, what kind of impact does a tragedy like this have on the community? Well, part of the problem that the community suffers with something like this is everybody wants to understand why. And like I said before, normal people can't understand why. People that, that perpetrate crimes like this are evil. And normal folks like us can't understand why they do that. So I think that uh, besides the emotional trauma that people suffer because of the realization of what happened to these young kids, trying to figure out why is, is a challenge they'll never get past. Was there anybody the scene before all this happened that you've been able to determine who, who wasn't killed or everybody who was there? I, ha I have no evidence that anyone was at the scene leading up to um, the murders that was not killed. Do, do you have any information? Was this resident recently searched probation parole? Was he in compliance, et cetera? Was he I don't have any information at all um, along those lines. Uh, all bodies were close. I know you, I think this was asked, but I'm just going to ask again at least. I mean, six people to shoot.
think that the three girls were trying to run away. Any indicator that anyone tried to run away, that just seems like so many people to try and do that to without someone getting away. You're having the same difficulty that we have trying to figure out exactly what happened because all we have is where the bodies were positioned and the injuries to them to try to indicate what happened, and there's just no way to know. Do you think this, that this was planned or were spontaneous? No way to know that. And what is the district attorney's role in this? Now that this is my task force. Before this, my client was going to go to McAllister. Do you have any, before this happened, do you have any indication that actually happened or he was not seen or any evidence about that? Based on information that we have available to us currently, we don't think they ever went to McAllister. How did you all figure out that they didn't ever go to McAllister? The property in McAllister belongs to Jesse McFadden's family members, and we interviewed them, and they were cooperative and told us that they had never come down there. They hadn't come down there that weekend. Are there any security or gaming cameras on the property that possibly could have captured anything? Not that I've been made aware of. Do we know when he dropped the car to his neighbor? I mean, when was the last sighting of him? I believe he was sighted um, in Henrietta proper Saturday night. When I can't tell you when he dropped the car or why. Anything I tell you would be a guess. All right, folks, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And Can I ask one more question? Sure. Sorry. <clears throat> uh, you know, typically when there's homicides, murders, someone goes on trial. This someone is now deceased. What's next in this investigation to figure out what happened to bring families closure? What's next? We, we have been in contact with the families and have shared information. In fact, we met with the families today prior to this press conference to give them the information that we gave you all so they would hear it from us and not from the news media. Um, again, there are questions that will never get answered because the only people that know are no longer here. Um, we, are, we will continue to document everything that we have found and anything that we discover in follow-up interviews moving forward and generate a report. We will submit that report to the district attorney's office for her review as a formality because there is no prosecution to be had here. Can you describe the reaction of the families when this information was delivered? Today, I was not present, so I, I'm not sure. Yes, sir. Uh, one last just for the purposes of our understanding, do you think you might be able to um, help us out and, get, and present some type of like map of like the crime scene that might help us um, better explain for people how spread out the crime scene is? Cur currently, I don't have one for you. Um, at some point in the future, crime scene investigators will will map it. I have no idea how long that'll take. Okay. Thank you. You bet. At this, we don't ever just rule a case, to, to use your term, um, but we don't have any evidence to believe that it's anything other than six murders and a suicide. Thank you, Chief. In closing, what's your message to parents? This has affected so many people. We've heard from victims' families. We've no idea of this person's um, convictions, previous history. What's your message? And it sounds like I don't know if it was easy. Thank you.
I, I want to be clear. All right. I do not believe that the parents of Brittany or Ivy did anything wrong. And they are devastated by the loss of their children. That being said, I don't think you can be too careful with your kids. Know where they're going and who they're going to be with. All right, folks, thank you. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy, and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S.